you know when we're going through something we call it we're in the trenches we're in the fucking trenches here whether it's got to do with money whether it's got to do how we're feeling about ourselves we're like bro i'm in the trench and we know exactly what that means and so what i realized is you know sometimes when we say we're in the trench doing the mahi whether it's you know trying to get money whether it's trying to create something to me in my mind i thought the trench was going in a straight line i was i was moving forward every time i was in that trench but without reflection, who's to say that you're not going around in a circle in that trench? You know, so sometimes you got to put your head up from working to really look around where you're at to really um, come back to the space. All right, I'm going in the right direction. And sometimes it does take that space of actually, you know what, just just put down the tools, put down the jackhammer, put down whatever it is that 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 you're using to sort of move yourself or to dig this trench and just appreciate. What is up, beautiful people? I am Lachlan Samuel, and this is the Open Up Podcast, the show that is making mental health mainstream. The way we do that is we interview people about the deepest, darkest, most traumatic and challenging moments and periods of their life. We go over what they went through, how they overcome it, any tips, tools, and tactics that they use to do so, any lessons that they've taken away from that period in their life, and then where they're at now, how they've turned that pain into purpose. All I can say is that I'm just truly, truly grateful. And I absolutely believe that together, me and you, and the sharing of these stories, we will make mental health mainstream. Let's go. Welcome back to the Open Up Podcast and to episode 117 with my man, Raniera Dewiti, bro, aka plant-based Māori and the host of Planty Seeds Podcast, which is on gangbusters at the moment. So um, you've got a head of steam, hey? Just on a bit of a rampage at the moment, you know, so been loving the whole space because similar to you, you know, while you're in this podcast space, it's just um, a privilege to be able to connect to dive into people's stories, to learn, to grow. And for me, it's just all about that connection and to be able to have that exchange with that person. I'm taking so much out of it, but I think the beauty out of podcasting is so many other people are are able to take something away from that one conversation because there's been so many stages throughout my life where I've just had these profound conversations with amazing people bro that people don't even know people wouldn't even know who they are but i've been able to extract so much lessons that's really helped shape the way that i think the way that i start to feel about myself and you know it was those conversations that really gave me the right advice to do the appropriate action and i think that's what sort of opened up my worldview and you know, what my capabilities are as a human being for the journey that I'm on. So, you know, like, like we just keep coming to, bro, I'm just on a rampage at the moment (laughs) with all the time that we have and knowing that we've got Zoom, knowing that we've got the internet, that people understand that because, you know, being in person is, is way better because of the connection, but people just understand that that can't happen. So being able to be online, you know, people are just accepting the quality of it anyway. So, you know, for me, I'm just like, let's go. This is the zone, man. <laughs> Bro, like some of the people you've interviewed have some like awesome perspective on life and adversity and challenges in general. For me, I found that it's been an unintentional form of like therapy and mentorship. Has it been the same sort of thing for you? 100%, you know, 100%. When you're able to hear the truth, I think that's the main thing. You know, that's what we're all sort of in search for is is the truth and being able to anyone can fabricate something anyone can talk about i'm i'm this man you know i've achieved this but no one really wants to talk about the yuckiness no one really wants to engage in in that trauma in that pain and that healing whereas for me there's a commonality between each and every person and that's we've all gone through shit you know, and it's those, it's being able to understand and, and the people who are open to go into that space are so aware that 
they would go through it again and again and again because it's helped them become the person that they are. And I heard something from James Altucher, and he said, the seeds of success are sown in each and every adversity that we go through. So for me, that's like what I'm about. And I can just tell that's that's the space that you're in as well, bro. That's awesome, man. Where, how did you learn how to speak? Is it through podcasting? Because you flow really well. You're really articulate. Um, and, you know, from being back home, that isn't expected from Maldives. Yeah, I, I think for myself, when I was working in the mines, there was a stage where I, I wasn't listening to any music. I was just listening to these like five minute motivational talks, you know, from YouTube and I was going on YouTube to MP3 converter, bro. And I was just looping that shit over and over and over again. So being able to combine different words definitely came from that because we are able to really soak something in when we're able to attach an emotion to a word, to an experience. And that's how I think I was able to sort of come to this way of being. But, you know, the more that I'm talking, the more public speaking I do. And I had a gangster mentor, bro, like uh, incredible mentor. I came home from traveling around Southeast Asia and Europe and bro, I just, I was like, I'm going to work with young people. And I remember when I was working in the mines, I was trying to find a, a, a side hustle or some, an escape to get out of that hustle and bustle of things. And I remember I'd done this test, bro. It was an online test and all you needed to do was A, B, C or D. And I failed it. I couldn't even get it right. And so my dreams of being a, a youth worker was, oh man, I'm so dumb. I can't even do this. And then I went on this rampage of a mean as time traveling. And when you're feeling so good, there's this thing in you that you just feel like a superhero. You feel like you can do, if you can imagine, bro, every single day for six months, you're just happy as fuck, you know, like you're in a different country, you're meeting new people, you're having bintangs on the beach, you're, you know, just having all these incredible experiences. And so for me, that's when I was like, you know, what? I failed that test, but I know I want to be a youth worker. I know I want to go and work with young people. And I came back to New Zealand and bro, I just went into the council uh, here in Fakatani, which is a small town in New Zealand. And I went and talked to the CEO and I just, I just laid out my dreams. I was like, this is what I want to do. I want to share my story with young people and I just want to work alongside them and support them. And what happened was, is that the CEO of the council, he put me on to someone by the name of Marcus Akuhata Brown. And this man is what they would call an anonymity. He is someone who loves no one knowing about him right if you know him you know him and for me he i i gave him the same spiel that i gave to the ceo and bro he just he's like oh you wanna you wanna work with young people oh you wanna you wanna public speak and it was in a way where he was challenging me because we have those ideas eh? like oh i want to become successful i want to have um my own business i want to be in this loving relationship but anyone can think about those things. But when the challenge is laid out and you're actually going through it, that's when you're really like, do I really want to fucking do this? Because it's super challenging. And I was his tail, bro. I was so fortunate to be his tail for a solid year. He'll take me on speaking trips right around New Zealand. He even took me over to Australia with him. We were going around to different schools speaking. And he's the one person that, I can't speak good in front of because him, him to me, he's like the one he is, he is Mr. Miyagi. He is the sensei. He is my master in terms of being his student of trying to articulate myself in terms of instilling influence, storytelling. But every time he's in the room, I crumble, I crumble, you know, and when you're around that person and you're trying to speak, but you can't, you know, for me, I was able to grow because when he wasn't in the room, I was just, boom, I was on fire, 
you know, because I've seen the example. I know how to hold space. I've seen them hold room, capture attention, you know, use these words in really awesome ways. So for me, every single time I've heard this talk like heaps, you know, I'd say between 20 to 40 times each and every time it was like the first time I heard it. And it was, it, it was beautiful, bro. So I put a whole lot of how I articulate myself, how I speak uh, to motivational talks, but mainly down to that one man. Yeah. Yeah. No wonder you, I think you said you attached uh, an emotion or energy to an experience. And if that's how he made you feel every time, like it was the first time hearing his story or um, his talk, then I can understand why you feel that way and how, uh, why you articulate yourself that way. So that's pretty cool, man. Brian, I'll tell you a story. I'll actually tell you a story. There was this one time, like I said, he took me over to Australia with him. And bro, we were going into different schools, high schools, and he would give me 10 minutes every time before his speak, before his talk, before his keynote. And all I needed to do was introduce myself, introduce him. And we were to do like eight talks, I think, throughout the whole week we were there. And every single time, bro, I would get up. Oh, just so embarrassing, bro. He would like give me signs to shut up, you know, those sort of things. And I'm just like, oh, you know, trying to perform and trying to do my best. And and it got to this one particular talk. It was the second to last talk. And it was in an auditorium. There were like kids everywhere. Um, and I got up. And I shared this, my, I tried to capture the room, but there were just heaps of these kids just talking in their little groups. And I froze. I froze for like five, ten minutes. Nothing come out. I was just frozen. And it was the first time I felt so insecure, felt so small, felt like, what the fuck am I even up to? Am I meant to be doing this? And my major influence is sitting right there. He's, he's observing all of this. And so I had my tail between my legs, but this one thought came to me. It was, I'm not sitting down without these people knowing who I really am. So I just busted out this hucker, bro. I just, <laughs> I just busted out a gangster hucker. And I was like, wow, this is me. They didn't know where the hell it came from. And I just sat down and I was just quiet the whole entire time. And there was one more talk and I was quiet, bro. He was trying to talk to me, my mentor, and I was just, I, I couldn't say anything because I was just so down in myself that, that that happened. And he was asking if I wanted to speak at the last one and I just kept saying no. And anyway, two minutes before the last talk, I got up and I was like, oh, I'll get up and I'll say something. Because what what was going through my mind at the time was if I don't get up, and overcome this right now in the moment, am I going to have the confidence to be able to speak again? Am I going to have, you know, that, that drive to want to be able to stand in the space, to share stories, to share my story if I can't overcome this? And so I got up and it was the best talk that I had ever done because the number one thing that came out of that was I spoke to the moment I spoke my truth of what had just happened one hour ago and boom, relatability. And what we came to realize, what I came to realize was I was trying to project this person that I really wasn't in these previous other engagements. Whereas this time I showed up as myself. I showed up as myself because I had nothing to lose. I, I was already down and out, but I had one more opportunity to be able to to share who I am and why I wanted to be in that space. And honestly, bro, it felt amazing. And when we left that space, bro, he was just cracking up at me. And, and I was laughing, but it just completely, um, it completely just settled everything. And even to this day, when we catch up, I always bring it up and yeah, we just have a good laugh about it now. So yeah, that's the story, bro. And I think that's where, my confidence now comes from because I know what it's like to, to crumble in that sort of space where people are waiting to hear from you. People are waiting to hear what you have to say. And I know what it feels like to have nothing to say. So I just speak from a real raw place now. So the major lesson, bro, adversity. <laughs> <laughs> That's epic, man. And I know like there was something that came out a few years ago about one of the top fears 
in the USA and most of the with his public speaking. And I think for most people, that's because we're, we feel unworthy of being seen and heard. And for people to, I guess, feel a certain way about public speaking, to fear it, and then to have that moment where you freeze for that long, where does that self-awareness come from to say, hey, if I don't go and speak right now, will I ever speak again? Because that's, I can't imagine many people having that awareness. Yeah, I think for me it was it was the whole situation. It was the circumstance. It was who I was with it. It was reflecting on the whole week. It was, you know, all of these things. That, it all happened in, in the space of an hour where, bro, I, I have this this thing about myself where I know how to carry myself pretty well. I know how to impress people i know how to show up for someone you know because if matsu if my mentor got up there by himself i would have felt like i had failed him as well as myself and i didn't want that hanging over me as well because of everything that he has laid out for me and this was my opportunity that came up where he said oh so you want to be a public speaker and this is when we first when we first you know connected and this was the time where I could answer. It wasn't just words anymore. It wasn't just like, yeah, I do want to speak. This was the time where it was like, actually, I do want to speak. And it was that lived experience of not saying anything that made me realize that words aren't, aren't, the, aren't everything. It's actually how you embody those words, how you allow that energy of the words to sort of shape you into taking that step, into showing up, into not giving up, into just, you know, being the person that you say you want to become. And it all comes down to integrity. That's awesome, man. That's epic. How <laughs> did you, how did you, after, I guess, that time away and that six months of just being happy every day, come back and then have the confidence or the belief in yourself to go into the CEO of the council and to say, this is my dream. Yeah. I think for me that came down to that. Just, I heard, overheard something because that year, um, 2017, me and my best mate went to go to Tony Robbins, stable destiny his five day seminar. And I had heard, that the CEO sends one of his employees to the Date With Destiny seminar every year or every two years. And so that was my link because I had been through it. I know he sends someone. That's what I'm, how I made the connection. I didn't just say, I want to come in and, and share it. I was like, oh, I've been to the Date With Destiny seminar and this is what I got out of it and this is where I want to come. So it was boom, it was just a straight connection and he was open to it because I had already done something that he's inspired by. So that's how that came about. But what it led to was just, you know, bro, I don't know if you've experienced, you know, just that feeling of joy and, you know, I, I was pissed probably the whole entire time of that trip. But even when you're drunk, even when you're, you know, have, um, you know, some drugs or whatever it is in your system, you just feel so joyful. And bro, I was just me and my best, one of my best mates, bro, we are just, just having these awesome conversations. Every time we drink, we're dreaming and, they felt so real, bro. It felt so real. Like, I can do that. Yeah, that's us, you know? And it was just having those consistently, it just filled this belief, this, it just awakened the side of me that had been sleeping. And it wasn't that I had no belief, but there was something way more, um, there was like a burning desire you know, it just turned from belief to a burning desire to really try and create something for myself. And, you know, it's still been a process, you know, to this day. So, yeah, bro, that's that's where it sort of like came from. Just just gratitude, being happy, traveling. And it was just <laughs> something just clicked, you know, at the right time. <laughs> well, I really do feel like you've created something for yourself. Like now, the space you're in now and what you're doing now are you proud of what you've achieved so far? Because I know you're helping a lot of people, man. 
Yeah, that's a that's a good question. And I think when you're in the space of growth of service, it's quite challenging sometimes to reflect because you're constantly looking forward. You're constantly trying to grow. You're constantly trying to progress. And there was this um, thought that came to mind when me and my best mate Tehoni Tuna were having a conversation one time. And we talk like we're in the trenches, you know, when we're going through something, we call it, we're in the trenches, we're in the fucking trenches here, whether it's got to do with money, whether it's got to do how we're feeling about ourselves, we're like, bro, I'm in the trench and we know exactly what that means. And so what I realized is, you know, sometimes when we say we're in the trench doing the mahi, whether it's, you know, trying to get money, whether it's trying to create something, to me, in my mind, I thought the trench was going in a straight line. I was, I was moving forward every time I was in that trench. But without reflection, who's to say that you're not going around in a circle in that trench? You know, so sometimes you got to put your head up from working to really look around where you're at to really um, come back to the space. All right, I'm going in the right direction. And sometimes it does take that space of actually, you know what? Just just put down the tools, put down the jackhammer, put down whatever it is that, that, that you're using to sort of move yourself forward to dig this trench and just appreciate. And I, I won't lie, bro, I don't do that enough. I don't do that enough to sort of, you know, take that time to be proud of myself because sometimes it's really difficult to be proud of yourself when you're seeking someone else to be proud of you you're you're seeking validation you're seeking the praise from a certain person you know you're seeking love from this certain person so sometimes when you're in that space being proud of yourself is just not enough but at the end of the day you'll somehow realize and it took me a while took me a podcast with you know with the bro jordan river and it took me a podcast with that fella to be like fuck all of those other things don't matter, you know, being my dad telling me that he's proud of me, my mom telling me she's proud of me, my partner, none of that really mattered. It was, I got to this place where it was like, fuck yeah, I am proud of myself because no one honestly, bro, can, can do what I'm doing. No one can go through what I have gone through in the way that I have. And that right there just came through meditation this morning. You know, because I was in this meditation questioning, um, you know, why people ask dumb questions or why people uh, are searching for the answers that they don't even know the question to. And and what I was meditating on was, you know, what's an example? What's a question that I could ask that people could get? And for me, the question was, you know, the quality of the question matters. And sometimes it's so simple that we miss it. And for me, it was, why am I here? Why, why have I gone through the things that I've gone through? And this is me asking myself, but anyone can ask this question. And a download came. It was, it was an answer that came from within. And it said, because you're the only one who can go through it. You know, you're the only one who can go through whatever it is you're going through and People think we need answers from a particular individual, from, a, from this person, from that person. But my most profound answers have come from me just being still and allowing the answer to rise itself. And that's where it comes from for me is just that self-awareness is, is pretty a big part of my life as well, bro. Yeah, and that's, I feel that's a problem for most people is keeping still, especially now we've got Zoom, we can do calls whenever we want, and especially you with the momentum and you have that you have at the moment. Is it hard for you to stop? And like, do you have an issue with overworking yourself? Yeah, that's always been something that's big for me. But over the last month, I've got a solid morning routine where it's just solely based around filling up my cup. It's based around things that are making me happy and making me feel good about myself. And it's waking up early. It's 
you know, going for a walk. It's, you know, going into cold water. It's doing meditating. It's breath work. It's having another workout on a Zoom with, you know, friends. I journal. Bro, this has all happened before 11 a.m., you know, and so the rest of the day, bro, I can go on Zoom. I can have seven hours of screen time, you know, because that part of my day has been filled uh, for me. And um, that's what sort of enables me to just sustain this energy that's sort of happening at the moment. So, yeah. It's beautiful, bro. Thank you for sharing the routine too. (laughs) (laughs) Slow drops. Um, (laughs) I think we'll segue back to what we spoke about earlier, which was like some of the challenges in regards to relationships, man, because obviously like you're doing the work, helping young people and helping like a, a broader I guess, demographic with the podcast as well. So you're happy to walk us through some of the adversity you face for relationships? Yeah. So, you know, relationships have always been like a major part of how I've come to build a better relationship with myself. (laughs) That's where it all sort of like started from because, um, you know, growing up didn't have any kind of, recognition or acknowledgement from females you know I was that friend zone kind of guy you know <laughs> and so for I me feel like, you on that one. <laughs> <laughs> and you know you go to high school and it's just a different world you know you see different fish you see different girls you know you see how other young men are and you compare yourself and it's just a different world you know you're at that stage as well where you feel aroused quite easily, you know? So these, all of these different sort of emotions are sort of like going on at the time. And, and for me, it was, um, you know, I just took it upon myself to, to change the way that I looked in because I was quite, I was on more on the chubby side. I wasn't super overweight. I was just more chubby. And I just started to run, started to watch my eating. And by my second year of high school, all of my weight had gone and suddenly I was seen. Suddenly, you know, I was seen and, you know, getting messages from, you know, girls. And it got to a point where I could just be in the space and then, you know, having girlfriends, thinking I was too good for them. Then I'd break up and then all of these different things were happening. So, for me, it just got to a, a real point where um, I was in a relationship with someone long distance. And, you know, it was a time where it just happened. She was living in Australia at the time. Uh, she came back and we had just met. And then she moved back to Aussie and we were just talking. We were just talking over the phone. And then. I just thought in my mind that it wasn't going to amount to anything. So um, I went and got with another girl and I had told, told her that it happened and it just broke, it just broke her. And that ended that for a time, but then she moved back to uh, New Zealand. And I just want to say like my fiance is like sitting right here, but <laughs> I've, I've talked with, I've, we've talked about this, so it's, it's all good, but I just wanted to point that out. You know, <laughs> I'm not, it's not, not the first time she's heard it. I just, just want to like put that out there, but um, she ended up moving back and you know, what happened from there was the first time I had really experienced having a broken heart because um, I got to a point in the relationship where things just weren't adding up. You know, I was seeing photos of different fellas on her phone and the connection wasn't there. And then she ended up feeling like she had feelings for someone else as opposed to me. And by that point, we were actually boyfriend and girlfriend. And bro, it just broke me. It was like, damn, you know, I've been chosen. Someone else has been chosen over me. And you know, I had no one, and, and for a long time, bro, I didn't even, for a long time, that I was playing the victim card, you know, for a long time, I was playing the victim card, like, far man, she left me for someone else, you know, she liked someone else, but, bro, there was only recent years, like the last year or so, I've really just acknowledged my part to play, 
you know, where I was unfaithful, bro. Like, that's a fucking hard pill to swallow for any person. And so that ended up sort of being the whole reason throughout it. But I couldn't take it, so I moved to Australia. And I moved there just because what I was feeling, bro, it was, it was yuck. It was, you know, we've lost people in our lives. You know, we've lost grandparents. I even lost the best mate in high school. But that kind of pain of a broken heart that no one can see. No one can see this pain. But me not being able to handle that kind of emotion that I couldn't put any language to, just I ran, bro. I ran away from it. And it happened a week after everything sort of finished and moved over there. And it was just, all right, I'm just going to try and do me, going to just do whatever I need to do. That just tended to partying, just alcohol abuse, going through, you know, multiple different jobs. And it got to a point where I realized, bro, I wasn't an Aussie to live that Aussie life. I was there to heal and I had done no healing. You know, I went through homelessness. I went through heaps of crazy stuff, bro. And it was two of me and two of my best mates. And fuck, we crack up about those times now. Like it's, it's crack up when we think about those times, but that stemmed on to me. Um, you know, I ended up getting another partner um, while I was in the mines and the same thing happened because I was, it was long distance again. I was working in the mines um, and I was away for four weeks. She was at home for four weeks. And every time that I'd come back, I'd just disrupt the routine. So no connection. She had a baby and um, the dad was still involved at some capacity. And so again, it just heaps of things just started to happen around that relationship that started to trigger these motions that I became familiar with that yucky feeling of not being able to talk about my emotions or the emotions that I had no language for and heaps of things started to unfold. And what had happened was my cup ended up just becoming so empty. And the thing with emptying your cup, is where people go wrong and we are went wrong is expecting someone else to fill it up. (laughs) You know, we can't expect other people to fill our cup up, but that's what was happening because I I felt in my mind, I was giving, I was, I felt in my mind where I was at, I was giving, but when it wasn't coming back in the way that I wanted it, I felt unloved. I felt that this wasn't working and bro, that could go both ways. That could go both ways, you know? And so, that ended up break that ended up finishing it wasn't probably the best breakup but what i had started to recognize was the pattern and bro after that breakup that's when i went traveling that's when i went and done my six months traveling you know because again running running bro running from what was actually happening in my life and it wasn't that last relationship where I got to the point where a thought of committing suicide entered my mind, where I was driving to the airport one day and all I thought about was, you know, what if I just drive off the road here? And I wasn't thinking about my family, friends. I was just thinking about, you know, would she even care? And that's, that's like a real heavy thing to even ponder about. But that's where it got to for me. And so when it got to the point where we were separating and then I went traveling, that's when I started to recognize the pattern of what had started to unfold in my journey through relationships. It was me, one, taking ownership of the fucked up shit that I had done, not being the man that I could have been you know, not being the person of blaming, not being the person of, oh, you could have done this or, you know, you could have done this for me. But bro, there's so much shit that I could have taken ownership of, as well as the fact that, bro, I just came to the realization that I just got to make sure that my cup is always full. 
you know, where I really understood that simple philosophy of making sure your cup is full. And so that's why when I was traveling, I was just make my cup was just overflowing. It was just with binting, with bintangs, <laughs> with changs, with all of these, you know, tiger, all these amazing, just sort of Asian beers and everything, bro. So, you know, that's when my whole journey of healing started was while I was traveling because, you know, running away isn't the solution. And I'm at a point now where, you know, when I got back, I sort of committed to just working on myself. I committed to just becoming a ultimate version of myself. And bro, as soon as, and, and, and I made the transition into, into veganism, I was alcohol free and it got to a point, I was feeling great. I was feeling mean. I was with my mentor. I was working with young people. You know, I was just volunteering, doing youth work. I had a mean job at a surf shop here in town. I was still living with my parents. So life was mean. I had no, nothing sort of bad happening. And, but what I started to think about was, fuck, like I'm pretty rare in terms of, like what girl is going to be keen on someone who doesn't drink, who's a vegan, who's very outspoken, who's, you know, working with young people, you know, who's just doing all the service. And I started to have this doubt and I almost gave up. I almost like, Oh, this is my life now. Like I'm just going to enjoy it. And very out of nowhere, my beautiful fiance, bro, just like came into my life you know, and it just happened out of the blue. It was nothing that I was looking for. It was nothing that, you know, that was pre-planned. It was the amount of work that I had done on myself was enough to be able to be ready to receive an amazing person in my life. Because I feel what most people go through when they go through relationship or having a broken heart, they are just so like protective of their heart they're so protective of not wanting to be hurt again but what we realize what you have to know is that what you're also what you think you're protecting you're also shielding yourself from the ability to feel love and to give love again and for me the risk of that bro i'll take it every day of the week you know if i can go through a broken heart a few times where I can keep going through them until I find the one because what I've learned from, from this whole journey is that the more we're able to really put into ourselves, things just start to happen organically. The person of my dreams was already waiting there for me, but I needed to do the work in order to receive her, you know, to be worthy of this amazing person. And the way it happened was my my sister was going to the gym. I was hard out into the gym and I was going at it to a different gym at the time, but I went with my sister this one particular day and my fiance worked at the gym and I just walked in and I was like, holy shit. It was the second time that I had ever saw her and I didn't know that she lived here in Fakatani. And I was like, damn, fuck, there she is. Shit. And I was just, Walked in with my sister, trying to play the cool card, trying to play the cool card, didn't do the acknowledgements or anything. And just working out, you know, took off my singlet, we should walk past. And I just got the hints that she was doing the jobs by me. You know, she was doing the jobs by me, coming to get stuff by me. I was like, Is she agreeing to this while she's yeah, there? Yeah, she's looking at me, she's giving me the eyes, bro. <laughs> And there was this one particular point where I, where I was training and we, I looked in the mirror to look at her and she was doing the same looking at me and we just locked eyes for like a split second. But I left that workout and I messaged her and we went on our first date that evening and we've been inseparable ever since, bro. So, you know, that's been my whole journey of relationships and um, it was, you know, it was necessary was necessary uh, for me to go through that mamai and you know and I do have deep compassion for the wahine who have been in my life you know to for what I've put them through and compassionate for myself too 
you know, because I know in certain spaces, situations, I wasn't a good person as well, you know, and I know I could have been better. So, you know, when I see my partner now, bro, she's got the absolute best version of me. You know, she's got the absolute best version of me, bro. And, you know, we have real deep and meaningful conversations about, you know, so many different things. And, bro, I'm just looking forward to to marrying this girl in November this year. So, yeah, bro, that's, that's it. The that's cutest, the story, man. man. That's, that's <laughs> some good brownie points you just built up over the last 10 minutes. <laughs> and that's, um, that's really good for especially men to hear. I went to an event a couple of months ago and the guy at the front goes, Hey, and it's a room full of about a hundred guys. And he's like, who's going through a breakup or a divorce and everyone put their hands up. Mm. And so that's why every guy was there. Yeah. They might've had other issues, but that was like the underlying one that need for validation. So what I say to some of the guys that we work with and who are going through that is like, you can't, you can't be broken and, go into a relationship seeking someone to heal you. Otherwise it's just going to be two broken souls coming together, trying to fill each other's void. And yep. so it's a good representation what you went through that period of being alone and working on yourself until a point where you're so comfortable with yourself that you'd accepted there is potential to be alone. And then right, you're allowed space. It's also why you are alone. It's thinking about what makes you happy. You know, what ticks your boxes? You know, what what do you need to do that you don't need to rely on anyone else to fill that void? You know, and I shared a, a story just recently about, you know, the majority of people, you know, go throughout life with this void. And, and usually that void has been manifested through the lack of, you know, the lack of love from a particular person and we can go all the way right back to the first seven years of a life. You're always seeking certain love either from your mum or your dad. And if you don't have that love, there's always going to be a void there and you're thinking that other people need to fill that. But really you can fill that yourself. You know, being able to know that the, the thing that, this might not land for people because I think we all need to go through our own lived experience because what I'm saying right now, this is my experience and it's, I don't expect people to, to get everything that I'm saying, but I hope that what I am saying can somehow be relatable, maybe in the next two to six months or however long it might take for you to recognize, Oh, that's what the bro was talking about. (laughs) But anyway, it, it was, you know, in a spiritual context, in a spiritual sense, that if we were to really think about just ourselves, our being, before we were in the womb, we were worthy of this life. We were worthy of love because at the end of the day, we are love. Everything stems from love. So for us to actually just be in this physical sense, talking, living, you're already worthy because if you weren't, you wouldn't be here. You know, so it's about if you can tap into that way of thinking, that raw truth, that essence of who you are, you know, you can walk around with your head held high. You can walk around alone, but feel so deeply comfortable and just so in love with yourself that bro, you know, amazing things just happen. And like I said, if you feel you want to be with someone, just do the work on yourself until that person just arrives just magically. And there's this um, thing that Father Richard Raw, he's a hearty religious man, but he said the pinnacle of love is being in an intimate relationship, right? The pinnacle of love for humans is to be in an intimate relationship, is that exchange of feeling love but the extreme privilege of being able to give it to right we don't realize that just giving love makes us better but receiving it is what we always feel like we need but we can fill that void just by giving so for me bro i'm all about relationships i'm all about entrepreneurial sort of adventures and those are the things that i feel just grow the capacity um as individuals is 
you know, the best personal development course that's out there, bro, is entrepreneurial and being in a relationship. That's where you're going to just have so much things to face and <laughs> it's the hardest work ever because it's all a reflection of how you need to be, how you need to grow and what you need to take ownership on. So that's my whole buzz, bro. <laughs> that's amazing, man. I love that. I love that notion of before the womb, you are love, you're worthy, man. That's, that's fucking powerful. Can you get that you though, bro? Like, can you can you visually see that? Can you can you get yourself into that space of just you know before you even there's there's something that Tony Robbins says, bro. I see, look at where I'm just getting all these things from, bro. It's Tony is Robbins. that the question about beforehand, or like the who you wanted love from, who you crave love from, and who you needed to be to get it? No, nah, it's more so just trying to to put ourselves in that space of knowing that we're worthy to be here. And it was what Tony Robbins said. He says, the heart has its own consciousness. The heart is the first thing that manifests in our makeup. You know, it's the first, it's the heartbeat that sort of brings everything together. So that tells us that our heartbeat has its own intelligence, right? So when you're sort of, when you can close your mind, and you can tap into the heart. That's where you get that gut instinct, like, oh, I know I shouldn't be doing this. You get that feeling. That's that intelligence that was the first part of your consciousness, the first part of your being. So the more that we can tap into that, the more that we can actually realize and arrive at these major openings. So I think if yeah. it didn't land before, that probably does set it up to land a little, <laughs> a little more, man. That's awesome. Um, that was that question that I asked you from Tony Robbins. That's actually what I wanted to ask you beforehand. Oh, right, right. Whose love did you crave and who did you have to be to get it? Yeah, so I've thought about this a lot. And I remember being in um, the Tony Robbins seminar when this came up. And for me, at that time, I was like, I craved my mother's love because I always got it. So I always wanted it. But when I'm thinking about it now, I really actually wanted my dad's love because I didn't feel it. I didn't have that love. And who did I have to be to get it? Where I played rugby, he would always turn up. There was not much advice, but he was always at my games. He was always at my kapahaka. So when he was around, I felt so good because it felt like, he was there but when I didn't play as well as I could have or if I didn't perform as well as I could have I felt really down because deep down I felt like I disappointed him when really that wasn't the case and I went through a major healing session last year with the bro Jesse Winyard and there was this one particular time bro um, I used to kiss my parents goodnight until the age of like six or seven and one night I went to go and kiss my mum goodnight. And one night, I, and that same night I went to go and kiss my papa goodnight. And he pulled away from me. And that was my first feeling of rejection, of being super vulnerable, of, you know, does he not love me? Those kinds of things. And what had actually happened was, you know, my papa had a really tough upbringing as well. And he's got a real hearty lived experience. And so he was just parenting in a way that he had been parented. So, you know, showing affection to your son that that age just wasn't sort of like a, a normal thing or something that he had seen. And for me at that time, that's all I could see. But, but what I was able to do as I tapped into that healing was I brought my view that I have now, my perspective that I have now on that one situation, right? Because everything is about perspective. It's how we perceive things. It's how we internalize information, how we internalize data, how we internalize experiences that make it sit, that it, that it can either make it, you can understand it or it can be traumatizing. And so for me, that was a traumatizing experience. But as I went into that space, I realized and understood that, bro, my dad is playing the perfect role 
for me to be the man that I am now. He loves me and I can see it in the way that he shows, he, he expresses love differently to my mum. And I've been able to recognize how he shares his love and I'm able to embrace it in the way that he wants to give it. I can't be there and be like, dad, do you love me? You know, that's, that's not how it should be. So for me, I'm at that stage of my life now where I'm able to see things differently, where I'm able to embrace certain scenarios that's coming from a real raw place. And for me, I'm just at this place now where bro, I don't crave anyone's love. You know, I know my mum and dad love me. I know my, my partner loves me and I know in myself that I love myself, bro. So I think when you can't sit in that place, <laughs> fuck, you're winning, bro. <laughs> That's amazing, man. I, I don't think I've heard probably more than five people like honestly say that with a smile on their face. And like, even though this is over Zoom, you can just like tell through your mannerisms, the way you're acting and the way you're speaking that that's true for you, bro. Like deep <laughs> down. <laughs> yeah, man, it's been good. And I'm just, yeah, like, bro, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, like <laughs> my partner, bro, she was gone for eight days, you know? So I'm just like extra happy that she's home right now because, you know, we just went through like a little something, you know, where it was just hard in the bubble you know, wanted to see different people, but couldn't, but decided, all right, I'm going to go and see my family. So we had time apart. And that's when I really started to put those morning routines in place. I went back to the tried and trues. All right, my partner's not here. Man, I feel a little bit unworthy. I feel a little bit unloved. But instead of surrendering to that, I just went, all right, I know this is just something that we're going through. But what can I do now to make me feel good? And that's when I just started this rampage of, all right, I know I love podcasting, so I'm just going to go hard. I know I love training and eating well and working with food, so I'm just going to go hard on that. And as I started to work so hard on myself, I started just to feel amazing. And meanwhile, my fiance, she's doing the same. She's going through it. She's finding her own sense of herself and growth and learning as well as myself and now they were back together we're like fucking boom let's go <laughs> bro, yeah, bro. Man, thank you for showing up like this eh? straight up oh both I love speaking like big. I love talking about, you know, stories and things like that. But, but for me, it's all about speaking to the moment. You know, what the fuck are you going through right now? You know, how are you feeling right now? Not about all of these other things, but for me, that's a story that's just happened. And this is what I'm feeling like in the moment. So, bro, I just want to thank you for, you know, allowing me the space to, to express rawly, to, to open up and just for allowing me to let rip because, you know, in podcast as a host, you're just asking the questions and allowing people to speak. So for me, I've had all these guests and I'm like, I just want to fucking let it out. <laughs> you know, so. <laughs> yep. You're being able to provide that for me, bro. So, yeah, just want to acknowledge you and say thanks, brother. Oh, thank you, bro. Uh, let's get you back to your missus. I've got a couple wrap-up questions, and then you can get back to it, man. Fireworks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, knowing everything that you've been through up until now, all the work that you're doing with the youth and the podcast, and um, especially, like, your food truck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Knowing everything that you've been through, what would you say the quality of your life is like now? Oh, well, I think I said it, you know, there's just so much love at the moment. There's this feeling of, or I feel so guided, eh? I feel, I feel presence of atua, of elements, of, of in sync, of harmonious sort of, you know, synergies that are just happening at the moment and it's it's just being in that moment because my life and, and the way that I have been it's just so focused on the future it's I'm, I'm a futuristic kind of guy and what this lockdown has just provided bro it's just that reset 
It's that. Slow the fuck down. It's that. What what are you up to? And for me, all of those things that I have been through, it's all been a preparation for this current moment. And everyone can look at it in that sense. Everything that anyone has ever been through, it's been a preparation for this current moment. And it will be for tomorrow's moment, for the next moment. We're just all in this divine plan. You know, our life is already planned out, bro. (laughs) You know, we're just, we just got to use our consciousness, our ways of thinking, our in tune with our with our wairua and we just got to allow things to happen. We got to surrender to whatever comes up in that moment. This, I'm, I'm trying to be in this space where I can sit in gratitude and bro, I love it. I can sit in so much positivity and amazing things happening, but can you sit and feeling shit about yourself? Can you sit and being angry? Can you sit and being upset, hurt, sad? And I'm at this point now where I feel okay sitting in that mummy in that hurt. And it pisses my fiance off, bro. It pisses her off because she just wants to get over it and, you know, just carry on. But me, I'm like, no, no, no. Let's feel this out. she hates her bro she she's like but that's just the kind of guy i like to feel i'm a real feels person i like to feel happy feel love but when i'm feeling down for me i know what it's like to bottle it up i know what it's like to just get over it i know what it's like to put on a shell and just allow that to just marinate until one big explosion happens. And for me, I'd rather just sit in that shit for an hour, for two days, well, however long it is, as long as I can feel that emotion. You know, so if I have the space to do that, I know that I can be a better person. I know that it's going to be better for myself, for my fiance, for my family. And it's just something that I'm committed to just to continue to learn and to go through. That's beautiful, man. I feel like that's where suffering comes from when you're trying to run away from feeling what's coming up. Because whether you like it or not, it's that emotion's going to be in you. And unless you get that energy in motion, that emotion, and move it through the body and feel it, it's going to be stuck there until you actually experience it and let it out or express it. So that's amazing, bro. Uh, last, last question, man. If there was one seed that you could plant for the collective, what would that be? Oh, I love this question, bro, because it comes down to my legacy. You know, my legacy is is all about being one little stone that's dropped in a still lake, you know, that just creates many ripples. And for Goosebumps, me... Goosebumps, bro. <laughs> that's my legacy, bro. That's all I want to do. And being able to reverse engineer that to my purpose of of my life for Tupuanuku for the planting seeds podcast. It's my, my whole journey isn't even about veganism. It's not even about food. I don't even share much things about it at all. It's all about bringing people's focus into self because it's so easy to think about other people. It's so easy to, to dream without action. It's so easy for the what ifs or the shoulda, coulda, wouldas. But at the end of the day, the major contribution that we can do to, if the purpose is to create health and well being, transformative changes, to be a man of service, it really comes down to I got to put in the work. The better that I am, the better my inner world is and my world within my bubble is. That's my biggest contribution, bro. That's my biggest contribution. I'm not out there creating all these major movements and and things like that. You know, it's it, that's not my priority. It's just manifesting through me being me. Like that's the punchline. Just me being me. And it's crazy for people to not even understand that. They feel like they need to be someone else. They feel like they need to do their haircut a certain way to fit in. But to me, bro, it's just about finding at the end of the day bro you got to go through shit you know just 
fucking go through it. If you're going through shit at the moment, it's all good. It's okay. You know, because at, at the other side of that, there is going to be so much growth if you're open to it. But if you don't see growth at the end of that struggle, I can guarantee you, you're going to carry on going through it because it takes understanding the pattern. It comes down to recognizing that I don't want to continue to feel like shit. And that's when you can really transform your life and to improve the lives of others. It's just all about making yourself a better person. So that's why I'm just on this relentless journey of just doing the mahi, my bro, in that trench. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome, bro. I love that. That landed for me. And that trenches analogy will probably be the soundbite at the start too. <laughs> yeah, let's go, bro. Um, bro, it's a wrap up. Straight up, just want to acknowledge you for making time, first of all, um, especially with your partner sitting there having just come back. <laughs> Thank yeah. you, bro. But most of all, for going through what you've been through, for showing up, for being aware and vulnerable and for, I guess, standing in that energy that you have, that charisma, that uh, relatability that you have and standing there with power, man. It's fucking beautiful to watch. It's it's beautiful to have seen face-to-face on a Zoom. Um, and I'm just truly grateful that someone like you is doing what you're doing, especially over there in NZ. Thank you, brother. And bro, episode number 140, whatever it is, bro, that's, that's trench life, bro. You're doing that trench life, bro. So commend you for the hustle, uh, for, you know, extending the invitation. I seen that you just had the bro Isaac John on the bro ice. So I'm just, I'm pleased, bro, that you're starting to get, um, guess that, you know, really resonating for you and are doing really well in the sort of space of brand awareness and, you know, because the way you hold space, the way you're actually, the questions, the thought-provoking questions that you ask and just giving that time just for someone to speak. I know for myself, bro, I've, I've greatly and deeply appreciated um, being on this podcast with you, bro, and I just wish you all the success, brother. So uh, thank you very much. Thank you, my man. You have a good night, eh? Cheers, bro. You too, man.